Get Cody's trade alerts and all of his latest positions on the Trading with Cody app for iPhone and Android and on tradingwithcody.com. All right, uh, today is Monday, October 5th. You are watching or listening to the Cody Underground podcast or Cody Underground on Periscope. You can also find Cody Underground on Scudify Live. Today is October 5th, and stocks are up big today. Um, matter of fact, the stock market itself is up 700 points since Friday morning, just barely more than one trading day ago. Uh, just about this time in the morning, well, maybe a, early in the morning on Friday, we had that employment report, and, and it came in at 140,000 jobs reported versus the 200,000 jobs re- that the analysts out there were expecting. So you had CNBC and all the mainstream media quoting economy much weaker than expected because jobs were 140,000, job growth was 140,000 for the month instead of 200,000 for the month. Mind you, they revised the last two months of employment numbers by 40,000 each. So it's a rounding error. Next month they could revise this month's numbers up to the 200,000, and then everybody's going to say, oh, well, the economy was about what everybody expected. You you don't ever want to buy into that noise. You want to avoid trading off of the noise that's out there, especially when it seems like everybody on TV and all the headlines are freaking out about something. Now, I didn't buy call options and load up on stocks Friday morning, unfortunately. I was writing about it. You can find my trading with Cody, trade alerts and positions and articles. And you can also find me on Real Money and other places on Friday morning where I was talking about, hey, don't buy into this panic about, don't freak out like the market is about this economic, these employment reports this morning. Federal Reserve has now, the flip side of all that employment report is that the Federal Reserve now has cover to keep rates at 0%. So even though the economy is adding jobs, 140,000, basically 200,000, I mean, it's the same real difference in a 130 million job economy that the United States is, 40,000 jobs on an versus the 200,000 that they were expecting is a rounding error at most. I mean, it's think about it this. Anyway, you've got Bloomberg and these other media companies that go out and, and, and poll these economists. And they say, hey, what do you expect the earnings, the employment number to be like this month? They take the, this, the, all of those numbers, they add them together, they divide it by the number of analysts that they've spoken to, the number of economists that they've spoken to, and they get a best guess. That's all it is. It's a best guess. It's an average of a bunch of economists' best guesses. And mind you, very few economists saw the 2008 crash coming. Long-time readers of mine know I got real bearish and closed my hedge fund in 2007 because of real estate and the financial crisis that I thought was coming down the pike. Well, 
very few analysts did that. Very few economists had any idea 2008 was going to be as bad as it was. Ben Bernanke and Federal Reserve being the classic point. Those guys, you can find quotes over and over in 2007 saying, oh, real estate's going to be all right. The real estate market never goes down on a national basis. It's a, it's a local kind of market. They were wrong. Economists out there are almost always going to be wrong. The consensus of economists is almost going to be is always almost always going to be wrong. And somehow you were supposed to freak out on Friday morning when the Dow was down 200 points before the market opened at 16,000 because the rounding error was 140,000 employment jobs reported rather than 200,000. You don't want to trade off that. You want to ignore that noise. Matter of fact, if you were bullish before that report, you're probably more bullish now. And the Dow was down 200 points. I should have been buying. You guys have been watching the podcast or watching me on Periscope and Scudify Live or reading my markets. You guys know that I was bullish. There's a comment that says the markets always go up over time. Stay the course. Now, I disagree with that concept in somewhat. Yes, if you look back over the history of the last 70 years, it smooths out, and markets do go up always over time, and I expect they will over the next 70 years, too. But that doesn't mean that I want to ride crashes. You know, When I closed my hedge fund in 2007, it was because I wanted to get out of the market. I didn't want to have exposure to the stock markets. You can have a 50, 60, 70% drop in the stock markets in your individual stocks themselves. I've already had that this year. Several of my names down 40%, 50%. I don't like that. I would have much rather have sold out of them entirely at the top, but you never actually catch the top or the bottom. I don't want to just ride out a crash. I want to get out and have cash ready when there is a crash. And longtime readers of mine know that when the Dow was at 18,500 just six months ago, I was trimming stocks. I was reducing the number of positions in the stock portfolio and raising cash. I didn't go sell everything like I'm saying. Unfortunately, I wish I had. But I didn't catch the exact top, but I certainly scaled out of positions along the way and reduced my exposure. So I do have cash ready, and I've been putting that money back to work as the Dow has hit 16500 and 16000 And that morning in August, when we hit the August lows and the Dow was down 1,000 points in a single morning, I sent out a trade alert to my Trading with Cody subscribers and started buying more stocks. Let's talk a little bit about gold and silver. Um, the, the question, there's actually a question there. What made the markets drop from 18,000 to 6,000 and to 16,000? The Dow, for example, being dropping 2,000 points. Look, there's a lot of factors. You can't just sit here and say, oh, it was China's economy wasn't as good as expected, which is what I think most pundits would tell you. But market valuations themselves were probably a little stretched at 18,500. Stocks had had a huge 200% rally off of the 2009 bottoms, and they're up 200%, triple. Well, you can have a pullback of 10%, 15%, 20%, and you're still up 130, 150, 170% from the lows of 2009. That type of stuff happens in a bull market too. You get a 10 or 15%, even a 20% correction at times. The question is, are you going to have a 50 or 60% market correction this time? And as I've been saying, and the guys who've been watching, no, I'm not freaking out right now. I don't, I, I've sold in 2007. I shut down my hedge fund and took a job in TV because I was so bearish. Got out of stocks almost entirely. Now, 
Not so much. I'm still long, not nearly as aggressively long as I was in 2010 or 2011, but I'm still long. I've been buying, like I've been saying, I've been exposing more money to stocks recently during these downturns. Uh, Let's talk silver and gold for a moment. Look, I do expect that at some point in my lifetime, in the next 30 or 40 years, that there will be a complete resetting of the valuation of gold and silver versus all of the fiat currencies that exist today, including the U.S. dollar. Um, I own some gold and silver coins and some bullion, and I've got it stored somewhere I can personally access it, somewhere safe. No, I don't own GLD or ETFs like SLV that expose you to banks that promise that they've got gold in a vault for you. We saw how good a bank's promise was in 2007 when they were all completely defunct without welfare trillions of dollars from the U.S. taxpayer to prop them up, get them out of that hole. I don't want to bank on a banker's promise that some paper asset it represents real gold and silver. They've overpromised those the GLD and the SLV and those other uh, precious metal ETFs have sometimes... 5, 10, 50 claims for, for, of their shareholders of GLV, GLD or SLV versus how much actual gold and silver is actually in a vault represented by those shareholders. So now I don't do that, but I do want to have some gold and silver. Now, I don't want to have 20% of my assets in gold and silver either. It's a hedge. If the economy really does go bad, if there's a solar flare, if the Internet breaks... Gold and silver will be reset quickly, and at some point in the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, I probably, I do expect, we'll probably see that gold and silver, gold will be worth $5,000 an ounce, three, four, five thousand $5,000 an ounce, maybe $10,000 an ounce by the time that swing is completely done. Always remember that markets go further in either direction than most people ever think is possible. So... When oil, I mean, when gold and silver are down, as they have been recently, gold at eleven hundred dollars an ounce. I think it's a pretty good time to scale into some more gold exposure. Maybe have one, two, three, five percent at most of your assets in gold and silver, actual physical assets. I think over the next five, ten, twenty, thirty years, you will have a complete resetting of them. How about the next six months? I think there's been enough supply taken off the market. I think the gold miners themselves have cut back so much on production. There's very little gold being produced right now. And you've still got 0% interest rates and the underlying inflationary and bubble-blowing, asset-blowing markets that come with 0% interest rates. And over time... That probably plays in. Maybe over the next six months or a year, yeah, I expect gold and silver will be higher than they are right now, maybe 5 or 10%. I'm not going crazy or, or trying to run into uh, gold and silver right now. But, yeah, if you don't own any gold and silver coins, go buy a few gold eagles, silver eagles, U.S. minted coins. Put them in the vault somewhere. Bury them in your backyard. Uh, what was the third topic we were going to hit on here? The biotech bubble. Thanks for reminding me, Ahmed. Biotech, I've been bearish on for the last couple of years, and the biotech bubble has continually inflated. The IBB, one of the big biotech ETFs, which is sort of a good way of seeing how big 
uh, the, the, uh, how, where the biotech stocks in general are moving, just peaked at 400 back about three months ago when the stock markets themselves peaked, when the Dow peaked at 18,500. I should have bought puts at the time. I had some puts in the biotech index uh, on the IBB that expired just about a few weeks before that top, before it popped. It dropped from, the IBB dropped from 400 down to 300. Uh, it's right now today up a little more. It's at 320, and I think it could be uh, headed back to 200. Uh, biotech has such inflated margins. I was looking at BIIB is another stock index there that I was looking at recently, and it's for Biogen, a giant biotech worth $67 billion right now, worth two Netflixes. Netflix, the stock that everybody talks is being up so much in the last five years, in the last two years. That company's worth $30 billion, $40 billion. This company right here, Biogen, it's worth $70 billion right now, $67, $70 billion, you get my point. It's huge, tens of billions of dollars this company is worth. And if you go look at their actual financials, go look at their total revenue and their cost of revenue and their income statement, and you'll see that total revenue for last quarter, for example, was $2.6 billion in sales. The cost of that revenue the cost of the pills and the medication that they're treat me, treating you with, $286 million. We're talking 90% gross margins for healthcare products that are being sold and whose prices are being set by the government. These products are being sold to consumers and taxpayers. Being The vast majority of the products are being paid for somewhere along the line with either subsidized or fully paid for with the taxpayer. To be able to charge a taxpayer 90% gross margins, you cost you a dollar to make the product, you charge $10. That's what we're talking about here. I think it's outrageous. I don't think it's sustainable. I think you're going to find, and even right now, you're starting to see the pendulum swing the other direction, and the government is looking at the pricing of these drugs and these treatments, and I think prices are probably going to get constricted. I wouldn't want to own biotech over the next five or ten years. You might have another two, three, five years of growth in biotech, but longer term, I think biotech's headed lower. As a hedge with my aggressive long portfolio, which isn't nearly as long as it was in 2010 or 2011 again, but I own a lot of technology growth stocks. Well, I think biotech, the biotech index, maybe buying some puts on the index itself, probably is a good hedge for me. If tech stocks get crushed, I think biotech will get crushed even worse. You might lose money on the puts if biotech rallies back to 400. You will lose money on your puts. But you can buy puts maybe dated out six months or nine months that expire in six or nine months on the biotech index, and it might... Uh, it might pay off. The guy says here, John says, it takes 10 years to develop a drug. Companies have to recoup their investment. I agree. I'm not saying they can't make profits. I'm saying 90% gross margins in these companies that are selling treatments that have gone up 1,000% in the last five years and are now worth $70 billion. That's one-tenth of Apple. That's one-eighth of Apple's market cap. That is a huge profiteering or profits, you can, I'd call it profiteering because it's the taxpayer that's paying that for it and setting those prices. 
the government setting those prices. But regardless, that is a hugely profit-driven business. Apple's gross margins are 40%. Biogen's gross margins for a healthcare treatment, mind you, are 90%. I don't think the shareholders need $2 billion of profit per quarter to recoup their investment in Biogen's treatments from the last 10 years. 50% might be okay. Uh, regardless what the actual number is, 90% is about as good as it can get. And it, so, truly, if you heard me talk last week about the hardest trade. Well, often the hardest trade is to sell when things are as good as they can get. And with biotech gross margins like Biogen and Gilead being at 90% plus, I'd say it's about as good as it can get for biotech. So that's it. I'm still very bullish about growth tech stocks and revolutions in the technology industry over the next few years. I'm bullish on gold and silver with a 30-year time horizon. If gold falls to $1,000 a coin, I'll start buying some more gold coins personally. I bought my gold coins near that level a few years back. I'm not looking to run back in and add to them necessarily at $1,100 where it's at right now or $1,150 or whatever it is today. And biotech, I think, is in a bubble. Thanks very much for tuning in on the Cody Underground podcast on Cody Willard on Periscope and find Cody Willard on Scudify. You can get all of my trades, a trading alert when I trade, on Trading with Cody and find the Trading with Cody apps. I also publish all of my latest positions and do an analysis and rating for each of them uh, on a regular basis. You get all that in Trading with Cody and TradingWithCody.com. Thanks for tuning in. I got a text that I hit you like Muhammad Ali. But please, feel a sea breeze, vent and release and believe that it'll all be okay, trust me. Because they got the same old thing on the block and I got the acid rock. You kidding, you be giving it up and keep on giving while I'm living it up. Myself, I'ma take from the poor and give to the rich and double high deep. I dig every ditch and then be good in the game like Joplin until I'm violated or quit. Well, I'll be living it up and keep on living while you giving it up. And about the way he living Take a hit, make a hit, keep a tunnel vision Sign a deal with the fans, go to music prison Who will believe you a prophet when you enjoy the music Sells advertisements and profits Well, who knew, boo, get a clue Yo, do I blew your mind from QU to Soho Cody Willow, New Mexico, Lobo, Muddy Souls Get around like hobos, yeah, we be tearing it up And you gon' get it, how you giving it up? See, I thought I was rich till I got rich and found out how rich rich can get.